What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Heavy metal, the way it was meant to be. Classic 80s Underground. Live on blogtalkradio.com. The Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. With your host, Mike the Big G.
Welcome back to Heavy Metal Mayhem. Man, what a great show I got for everybody tonight. Lita Ford, Jaguar, and Dust Machine all in the same program. But T, I know you're on the line, but we got to get to our first guest. Gary from Jaguar is waiting, and it's getting late in the UK, buddy. So we're going to reach out to him first, if you don't mind. Okay. All right, buddy. You hang on there. Let's connect Gary. Let's get this interview going. Like I said, we got a jam-packed show and a lot to talk about, a lot going on in the world of heavy metal this week. But right now, let's see if I can get this thing going here. I always screw the Skype thing up, so let's see how we make out here. I don't know. There's always a problem with Skype, it seems. Uh, I don't know. Sounds like uh, when I get through there. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, that happens. Uh, you know what? Let me get on a Jaguar tune. It's ringing, ringing, but I'm not hearing anything. It's just ringing. Yeah. All right. All right. You know what? I'm going to hang up there. I'm going to put on a Jaguar song, and then I'm going to send him an email, see if he can uh, maybe call in or see what's going on with the Skype connection here today. So uh, that's what we're going to have to do right now. I hate doing interviews right off the bat of the show. It's always uh, an issue. But here you go. This is some old Jaguar for you. Run for your life.
Gary, is that Hi. you? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Oh, good. I'm glad I got you. <laughs> All right. How are you doing? Good. Okay. You know, this technology is killing me. I, I just can't I, figure it out anymore. Oh, no. Skype is great, but, you know, it does. you get a, a bit of trouble with it, don't you? Every now and then it happens. But, hey, you know what? We're connected now. That's all that matters. So We are. We are, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, man. It's a pleasure to have you on here today. And, oh, bless you. And being such a fan going, you know, all the way back to the demo tape days, I'm glad that all these years later, you know, you're still doing it. But does it feel like yesterday? Does it feel like a long time ago? Um... It does feel like a long time ago. Well, when we started, of course, because you know it, uh, it's kind of a, it's always been a part of my life. It feels like, um, although I guess we we did have a, a quite a long break in between, if you like. But but certainly, you know, as a, as a teenager, late teenager, and I mean, it's even when the band, you know, when we we took a, our long break, if you like, it was still always there in the background. You know, people always asking about it and stuff. So. Yeah, it's always been there, really. Um, yeah, definitely. I can imagine. You know, Gary, I don't think we're even going through live. I have to be. I, I don't see any uh, anything happening on the live show here. Really? So, oh. I think you and I just have a direct call. I don't know what happened to. Uh, I don't see you on the switchboard. Oh. You just disappeared. <laughs> oh, Is it right if I hang up with you, and I'll yeah. call you back through the switchboard? Maybe that. I don't know what, what happened. Just everything just went out all of a sudden. Okay, then. Okay, hang on, buddy. I apologize. Okay, okay, no problem. I can hear it. Uh... Hey, Gary, how are you? Uh, I'm fine, thanks. That that seems to be working now. And uh, the people are saying, how come I don't hear anything? I'm like, you know, I... Ah, uh, right. Okay, I think you're right. Yeah, I, it's it was possibly at my end. Anyway, hopefully I fixed it now. Oh, uh, we're, we're perfect now. We're on, and it doesn't matter. So... I, I, okay. I'm going to add that back into what we were talking about before, but we yep. were saying that, you know, it's been so many years. Does it feel like it's brand new? Or does it kind of feel like it's been a long time? That's where we kind of left off. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as I say, it's, it's as I said just now, it's been a part of my life since, since I was a teenager, um, pretty much all the way through, although we did have a long break. Um, but even, even in that, that break when I was playing with other people, you know, Jaguar just, it kind of just never went away in 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 a way if you like kind of i, I don't know i always felt i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't escape it it's kind of fate really and um when we we sort of decided to get back together again uh 98 it just seemed logical thing to do um you know we'd all although only myself and uh, jeff cox the original bass player actually you know put the band back together again but you know it it it, it just all fell back into place um so yeah, so I, I in a way I I, I kind of couldn't imagine life without it, you know. I know that sounds a bit weird, but no, no, that makes complete true. sense. Well, like I said, when you mm. got back together, you and Jess were in the band. Did you try yeah. to get the like that classic Power Games lineup with Paul and Chris also, or that was that just not an option after all those years? Um, well, not the, the Chris, the drummer, nobody had seen for a long, long time. Um, and we, we kind of just gave up trying to, to contact him, if you like, at that time. Um, I mean, I was I kind of kept friendly with, with Paul Merrill, the singer, um, all throughout the years. I'd see him now and again. Um, and he just simply said that he, he felt that he couldn't he couldn't do it anymore. Um, you know, we're, we're all older, obviously, and he felt that he just couldn't sing in, in the way that he would be required to. Um, cause he, I mean, he's into other stuff now. Sure. And, um, you know, he, he just, he was pretty, you know, honest, honest about it. Just, he just felt he couldn't do it anymore. So we, we had to look elsewhere. 
Well, I completely understand that. I mean, you know, nobody wants to go out there and give, you know, a half-assed performance or not be able to, you know, give the people what they want to hear. So I, I yep. completely understand that. But when yep. you go back to, like, the early days with the demo tapes, and I remember, you know, Axe Crazy was the first uh, thing I bought by the band, and I found it in an import store here in New York. And, you right. know, back then it was like $12, which was like a small fortune. It was probably like, you know, a lot of money here to get that. But it was like, I have to have it. But a lot mm. of people came into the band from, like, the Heavy Mill Heroes compilation, you know, people hearing Stormchild, that kind of did, did you realize that that was what impact that had on the band? Um, well, we we I, I think we we kind of did at the time, and of course, um, Metallica have admitted to to stealing that track yeah. actually. Anyway, I don't know if you know <laughs> that, that story. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I got an interview. Um, in, well, I guess it's in my Lost in a Scrapbook where Lara's actually admits it that you know they they ripped it off. Um, Stormchild. Um, I wish they covered it and not ripped it off, but um. Um, hey, you know what? Lars owes me a beer or two for that. A little more uh, than that. <laughs> yeah, if I ever see him, he's going to have to get me a couple of beers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I don't think we, we we really didn't realize at the time because we were just so excited to have our very, you know, our very first piece of vinyl out there. I mean, it was honestly, I can't, I can't emphasize how big a deal that was to have a, a you know, a track, even though it was just one song on a compilation album album but just have one a song on vinyl it was it was massive sure. massive deal for us at the time um and i remember when when paul birch who it was actually on it was on heavy metal records and a guy who owned the label paul birch we were playing i think it was in kidderminster over here and he brought us brought he came to the show and he brought along a box of of you know of the albums for us and I mean, I, I will never forget, you know, opening the box and seeing, you know, seeing it. It was just such a big moment for us. It really was. It's fantastic. And we, you know, we kind of thought, hey, we've made it now, you know, which is, <laughs> which looking back is ridiculous. But, but we were just so excited to have this, this piece of vinyl. That, that was really all it was at the time. Um, but yeah, certainly people have told us, you know, how, how much it meant to them over the years and so on. And obviously with the Metallica thing as well. So, but we, no, we didn't realize it at the time. Um, only years later, Mike. Yeah. You know, having a record out or a single out, it was a big deal. It's a big deal today. Never mind back then to a bunch of young yeah. kids. And yeah. you know, it's, it's so much, I can't say it's easy. To, it's a different business today, you know, the record industry, but anybody yeah. with a little bit of, you know, a little bit of money could buy their own equipment and put out their own record very easily. Where back then, you know, you couldn't really do that on your own. You had to get signed to a label, have something out. And so I can imagine the thrill of having like a song out on a record. But then not long after that, you kind of hook up with neat records. Back then they had Raven on the label, Venom. And uh, yes. it was a small label, but it became a well-known label in the heavy metal community. Yeah, well, it, it did. I mean, back then it was it was the new album label. You know, it was the label that we all kind of aspired to it in our in our way if you like and and to actually end up on neat was just again was just kind of a dream come true at the time uh, i mean and that that was kind of a chance thing really because we were playing in in we were playing some shows in holland with raven and mike um sorry dave wood the owner of the label the yeah. then owner was with was with raven traveling with raven and and he just literally you know, obviously he happened to see us and and, and like what he saw and we kind of took it from there but um but again it was kind of a, a a chance thing if you like um but yeah i mean we were more than happy to be on neat at the time and you know we were we became friends with raven and we had some real good good times back then um particularly playing in holland quite often as we did um holland kind of took, took us to our to, to their hearts really 
Um, so yeah, so but we were really really pleased to be on the. But it was not, not an accident as such. But it was a stroke of luck to actually end up on on the label. Yeah. Well, you know, the Power Games came out, and then this time comes out a year later. You had two nice back to back albums. The fans were going yeah. crazy. And then a year later, you know, at the height of like the whole heavy metal scene, the band's gone. And unfortunately, back then, there's no internet, there's not a lot of magazines, so really nobody knew what happened, you know, for two mm. years later. What happened to the band after those two records? Um, well, as, as, as his shows, um, you know, we completely changed our style for this time, which, again, you know, people have, have kind of accused, accused me of... of selling out and, and you know as people do you know you went commercial you know you sold out and stuff but it it might it really was not it was nothing sinister we just you know we were just young kids and we just felt that we were writing better songs that that was all and and you know that's how they came out um more much more commercial we didn't i mean really obviously we should have sort of thought about it and and realized that this probably wasn't a good idea but we you know you don't think of that at the time um, and you know, it came out, and we kind of lost. Well, we we lost all of our our hardcore audience. Um, I mean, although you know, this time I'm still proud of it, and and you know, we got a lot of good reviews. Kerrang magazine at the time, as I recall, gave it a five star review. Yeah, a lot of good reviews, but it it was probably the beginning of the end. Um, I mean, again, and the bizarre thing was that Roadrunner, the label we were with at the time, they they were quite keen to keep us, and they were. Um, but we didn't again probably stupidly um we didn't want to stay with them and so we we kind of did our best to, to get them to drop us which they did eventually which, <laughs> again it's absolutely some stupid moves i made mike stupid moves um so and it, it it just the band kind of petered out really that's the only way i can describe it it just faded away yeah and it was, as you said it was gone it, it's amazing, like today, when you look back and you can say, "Why did I do this? Why did I do that? How come we didn't do?" Oh, yeah. it? It's always easy after you do something to say, "Why, why, why?" But at the time, you're in the moment, and you know, and you either think it was best for the band or what you think is going to be the best for the band, and sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. I mean, I love the record. I mean, I still play till t- stand up, tumble down, another oh, yeah. weekend. I mean, I still play the album. I mean, mm. there were great mm. songs on there, but at the same time, I can understand you're looking to move to the next level. You're writing differently mm. and different influences mm. coming to your life where you want yeah. to express yeah. it and i guess it just didn't work out for you with that record at that time no i mean i i, I mean i get i've gone on record to say it was it was probably myself and paul merrill's fault i mean because we were getting into as long as, long as, as, as well as matt we were getting into u2 and, and big country at the time bands like that and and, and all those influences kind of kind of came in i guess really um but there was no real, as I say, there was no conscious decision to change. It just, it just happened. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, it was was not a good move. But there was no real, you know, hidden agenda. It just, you know, it just happened. And we, we you know, we the time that we spent with with Roadrunner, we, you know, we were going to do a lot of stuff. We were going to tour. Um, we were going to tour Canada with Nazareth, who at that time were pretty big in, yeah. in Canada. Um, you know, but and and there's all these other plans we had, but it, but it just didn't. None of it came off, and you know we got more and more fed up, I suppose, with things not happening like they should. So yeah, it just it literally just just sort of petered out. Um, and myself and Paul, Paul Mayer, we 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 formed another band after, directly after that called the Arena. Um, 
with um, the guy, bass player from Mud. I don't know if you remember Mud, the sort of glam glam band from the 70s. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tiger Feet and all that. You know, we, we, we put a, ba- a band together with, with him. And again, it was it was kind of, the, the intention was to, to carry on where Jaguar left off, really, um, which we did. But, um, you know, things, other things happened. And we, we basically went off to the Middle East to Dubai um, to try and earn some money to keep the band afloat. But and it kind of, that, that fell apart over there as well. So, um, you know, I ended up coming back to, to the UK around 88 and, um, you know, start again, really. Um, but then it, I guess it would have been another 10 years before Jaguar got back together again. That, that's true. You know, mm. when, you, when you look at like, you know, this time, you know, yeah. in a way it was kind of ahead of its time because a few years later, a lot of bands started switching over to a sound more in that vein. And a few years after that, you know, heavy metal and hard rock kind of just died out completely, like in the early mm. 90s. And yeah. you think if the band was still together, you would have survived that. Awesome. I mean, we went from, you know, you know, good hard rock and heavy metal to hair metal to grunge. And, you know, the mm. scene just changed nonstop over the next decade or so. And uh, you think the band would have survived, you know, playing what you were playing with all those different changes in the music? Tricky one, Mike. Tricky one, I have to say. Um, if you look back at the way metal went, um, I, I, I don't know that we would have done, if I was completely honest. Um, I think we would have been, well, I don't know, I suppose, because we would have been quite, in, 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 you know, kind of commercial, if you like. I suppose if we'd had a hit record, you know, maybe that would have sustained us and, and maybe changed everything. Um, because I mean, it, it was, we, we were becoming more and more, more poppy, if you like. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't really know how, you know, if we would have survived that because I think we were, I think we were, we were getting into the realms of not having a natural audience. You know, we weren't metal and we weren't pop, sort of pop. So I think in a way we we're kind of caught in, in caught between audiences. So I, I really don't know that we would have survived. I don't, I, I think to be honest, hand on heart. Yeah. Well, we, you are together again now and that's what's important. Then you yeah. know, wake me comes out the first record after you guys got back together I mean, mm-hmm. that took the band in a whole other direction, and it kind of brought a lot of fans back to the old days, but yet it was very modern, very new. But were any of those tunes, stuff that you had been working on for, like, a previous album that you kind of brought back? Well, from that record, well, the one, one song was actually um, dated back to about 82, which was Scrap Metal on, on Wake Me, which was, was just a bit of fun um, the, the, in terms of the lyrics. I mean, at that time, we we, we were really fed up with all the, 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 the cliched metal lyrics. And we just, for fun, we just sort of put together a lot of all of the worst metal lyrics we could we could think of at that time. <laughs> Um, which I, I think a lot of them were probably David Coverdale's fault, <laughs> actually, um, as I remember. Um, you know, it's just a bit of fun. So we strung all these silly, silly, cliched words together and, and, like, and then, oh, I know, let's call it scrap metal. So it was supposed to be a bit, a bit of a joke, really. I mean, I'm, I'm sure people got it. But that, that one actually did stem from, as I said, from, from 82 um, and, and, and actually ended up on, on Wake Me. Um, but I think that's think was the only one older tune actually all the rest were were written you know around that time sort of 88 uh, sorry uh, 98 99 yeah well you know a few well i want to say a few years back but it's so much longer than that now but run reggae comes out 2003 another great record and now we're waiting a long time but i know that you're you know working on the newest record so tell us about the newest one 
Well, the new album is it's, it's going to be called Metal X. Um, the reason we've chosen that, the X being the t- 10 years, the Roman numeral for 10 years, as it's been 10 years, sadly, since Run Ragged, um, which is kind of embarrassing. We make... Um, kind of make Boston seem like workaholics. Um, <laughs> you know, I was, <laughs> I always thought they were, we used to joke, didn't know about them being slow to make records, but um, we seem to be even slower than Boston. But um, yeah, so it's been 10 years since the, the last album of completely original material. I mean, since then, there's, there have been, you know, quite a, several sort of archive stuff, you know, the uh, Holland 82 and the, the archive of live stuff and um, opening closure. So it's been old stuff we released, but not any, completely new material so we we thought oh you know that's, that's, that would be good to, to call it if we, if we use the x in terms of 10 years so that's what it's going to be called um and again i mean again the reason it's kind of it's the time just goes by um you know it, it's certainly in the last over the last 10 years you know several of the band myself including young, young families and so on and you know kind of life just sort of gets in the way and and also another problem we had was was lineup changes. You know, lineup changes can often knock you back with with new material. You know, you get somebody new in the band, and you know, the, generally the first thing you need to do is to they need to learn older material to be able to start gigging, and then you you know, new material kind of takes a back seat. So then you you then have to kind of almost not not start again, but you know, you, you, it keeps knocking you back all the time in terms of songwriting to to get completed songs. So all of these things, I think, conspired against us. To and, and then, you know, hey, before you know it, you know, ten years have gone by. Yeah. Um, but certainly, with with this record, we're um, we're almost finished on on the actual recording. Um, we're just sort of working on the vocals at the moment, and we'll we'll literally be starting to mix mix the thing, you know, in in the coming weeks. Um, I mean, it's been way way overdue. So, um, but you know, I think. I hope people will will like it. I mean, it's it's kind of classic Jaguar stuff, very fast, a lot of it, you know, as as, as people would expect from us, really. And uh, you know, the songs are pretty good, pretty damn good, I have to say. You know, and I just, you know, you can only do your best and and hope that people like it. But you know, people will certainly recognise it as as us. Well, I, as a fan myself, I know I'm waiting and I'm looking forward to it. And but you, you've had a pretty consistent lineup for for quite some time. I mean, Jamie's been with the band since you've uh, reunited. Yeah. Uh, Simon's been with the band seven or eight, maybe even more years than that. And uh, you have yeah. a new, relatively new drummer, I guess. And whoa. Well, I, you know, we joke about Simon being a new boy. Like, <laughs> and then you think you actually look at it and you think, crikey, yeah, seven years ago. Well, Nathan, our drummer now, he 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 was he came in the band at the same time as Jamie back in '98. But um, he he left and spent a couple of years out of the band um, about. 18 months ago, two years ago now, but so he he's not new, new. He's he's come back in the band after about a two-year break, I guess, Mike. So, um, and you know, again, it it was per, it was perfect. You know, he's such a great drummer, and you know, it, he just slotted back in like 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 old times, really. Yeah, and, and I'm sure it's going to sound like that. I mean, are things better today? You think than they were back then? Maybe like the pressure is off now. Like you say, everybody has families and. Other yeah. commitments and the band, you know, is there when you need it, and it's great to get out and play. And you're doing a lot of festivals, which is a big thing. And I know you're probably excited about the Sweden Rocks one coming up next year. That's a really big one. Oh yeah, you guys are yeah. on that. Yeah, I mean, we've been after that one for years, um, <clears throat> and we just managed to sort of pull it off now. But but yeah, I mean, you know, we're under no illusions anymore. You know, <clears throat> you know, when I was a kid, yeah, I, I wanted to be a pop star and all that. Um, <clears throat> you know, that's not going to happen now. So you know, it's just it's 
you know it's always it's it's we we go away for weekends we have you know and to, and, it, and it's it's such a, an honor to play and a pleasure to play for people who really want to hear the band you know and it, it you know it's it's a, it's an absolute pleasure um to to go over you know go to Europe in fact we've got a run of shows in this country as well which you know it's it's just such a pleasure to do and and you know, I just think, well, what am I going to do? You know, I'm not going to start doing gardening or anything like that. You know, anything stupid. So, you know, it's it's just something I, as long as I can keep doing it, I'm I'm going to do it because I love it so much. You know, and I'm not I'm not going to start doing gardening now. <laughs> I hope not. What do you think is the best thing about the music business today? You know, compared to like you know back in the older days, or is there anything worse about it? I mean, everybody knows the record sales are a whole different story. It's just the way yeah. it's, it's like that for everybody. Uh, but what's, what's like the best part about it today? Is it nicer to have you know more control over the band where you know you're directing the ship and it goes where you want? Where back in the old days, the record companies kind of like you know dictated everything that they wanted done. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, you know, obviously yes in terms of control. Um, you know, it is it is it's kind of all come full circle, hasn't it? I guess you know back to sort of grassroots level with bands basically yeah being able to do what they want. And I, I think the real benefit is for bands that have had some some success if you like that we're, we're obviously signed to labels to then you know do you know jettison the label and they, they can really do what they want um but um but yeah in terms of of, of, of that you know you've got digital downloads and stuff and and I, what i also like is is when you know coming across you know bands like ours that have got back to that maybe slightly older and, and have, have got back together you know and and meet meeting meeting these people meeting all these bands you know for me that's such a you know it's a great thing you know because every time we go and play a festival you, you just make new friends all the time you know and friends from from wherever you know around the world america you know a lot of them play with a lot of american bands and and you know it just it's just such a great thing to be able to do to 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 meet all these new people um but yeah in terms of the business like you say i was amazed the other day when i was hearing about how many sales you had to kind of do I think it was probably even American charts. Such, you know, when you compare it to the seventies and stuff, you know, where like Kiss and stuff, you know, selling millions of albums. Those yeah. days are so it's all gone, haven't they? And I was amazed at how few copies you actually had to sell. And I would, I would assume it's the same here um, to actually chart now. You know, it's it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I, I guess they kind of took into account like the lower sales, but you know, it's not that there's less people getting the records, just less people buying the records. You know, people are still getting mm. them; they're just getting them for free. You know, there's almost the same amount out there. It's just right. a shame of it. And you know, like I told you, you know, buy the record when when Metal X comes out, buy it, spend a few dollars, mm. get it. It's going to be a great package, I'm sure. Mm. And, and the one thing I wanted I, over the last couple of years, there's been a few compilations put out by the band. Will they actually buy you guys, or will they buy other people that? Because there was the Archive Alive Volume One. Were yeah. you guys involved with that, or was that something done by somebody else? Well, that was a label, Majestic Rock. That um, well, they went they went under. Um, no, I mean they generally the label. In fact, they've all come to us uh, with the initial idea, if you like. Um, you know, with you know, even with Majestic Rock, although they're no longer with us. You know, I did cooperate. You know, with them. Um, you know, as I've done with all of them, and and it's generally it's been you know it's been a success, you know. But yeah, I mean, you know, I guess if if um, if a label, uh, you know, it licensed is you know has li- licensed it like metal metal minded licensed this time, and you know they were going to do it anyway, they were going to put it anyway. They licensed it from Roadrunner, um, and they were going to put it out anyway, you know, kind of with or without you know my my help. So 
you know, you've got to kind of roll with it. So, you know, I, I would, you know, dig out bonus tracks and, and things like that, you know, interesting photos that perhaps people haven't seen. So, you know, and it's good to, to, to collaborate because it just, I just want it to be, you know, the, as good as we can get it, you know, put out the best, you know, the best sort of best album, best package really, even though it's older stuff. But, but, you know, yeah, generally the labels have come, you know, they come to us, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I know. I thought that was great because I had a lot of those older songs. I like Pile Driver. You know, it was great to hear them all again. And do you think there's ever going to be a chance you might want to record some of the earlier demo tapes or the songs that were on the demo that didn't make it to the records? Well, yeah. I mean, actually, you know, funny you should mention that um, Battle Cry, which of course was was on the demo and and, and never it hasn't actually made it to record. We've actually done. With with these sessions we've been we, in the studio now, we've actually we've, we 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 recorded a couple of the older songs. Um, we we plan to use as kind of bonus tracks, and and actually um, Battle Cry is one of them. So oh, that's um, great. And, so and, and Child as well, we've actually done as well. So and to, you know sort of in a, in our own in a way we would do them now. So so yeah, hopefully people will be able to hear those. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, we just thought it would be fun, really, to just to re-record a couple and, and just keep them as little extras, really. So hopefully, you know, they'll they'll you know they'll come out in one one form or another with you know around the same time as the record. That'd be great. I would love to hear newer yeah. versions like Feel the Heat and Pile Drive and Battle. Yeah, Club. and you, you know, know what? what? I, yeah, I was, was thinking of that the other day, Mike. Actually, I was I was thinking about Feel the Heat and stuff. So I mean, we could sort of put a toe in the water and perhaps do them live and see how they went. So um, yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking of that too. That's great. And with the new version of Stormchild, maybe, you know, Metallica will sue you now for ripping off Whiplash. <laughs> oh, Christ, yeah. yeah. You never That'd know. That would be funny, wouldn't it? That uh, would be amusing. Uh, anyway, Gary, listen, I don't mean to cut you off, but I had a great time talking with you today, and I want to get us some oh. music. So I do appreciate it. And look, when the Thanks, new record Mike. comes out, please come back on. We'll help you promote it, and we're going to sell that album as best we can for you. Oh, thank you, Mike. Bless you. Thanks very much. Anytime, it's Gary. A, it's been a pleasure. Pleasure to talk to you any anytime. anytime. Pleasure is mine. You, go to sleep. It's getting late over there. <laughs> Cheers, Mike. Take care. Bye. Good night, Gary. Uh, what a great guy, and I don't know what happened in the beginning. I always have trouble with Skype trying to connect in the beginning of, a, of an interview, so hopefully everybody caught that and didn't tune out during the 10 seconds it took me to figure out what the problem was over there. So, Tay, how about I get on one more song by Jaguar, then we can, you and I can do a little talking, then we have Miss Lita Ford coming up right after that, so got a great show here. Jaguar. Jaguar, not the car, the great heavy metal band. Here you go, As the Crows Fly.
busy show tonight. We also have a lot of new music. And again, that's some music by Running Wild, Death Angel. We'll have Miss Lita Ford coming up in a little bit. And then we're going to close out the show with Joe Como from Dust Machine and Liege Lord. Joe's been on the show like three times this year. So <laughs> we got to put him in as another co-host, I think. Yeah, it's getting close. Yeah. Well, I spoke to Joe the other day. He was doing interviews all day long for the new Dust Machine record. So that one was pre-recorded. And we'll close out today's show with that. But, uh... I, this week I was bouncing around, you know, blabbermouth, and, uh, and really I usually go to BWBK because I feel like they're the better site for all the metal news out there. But I saw that, uh, you know, last week Vicious Room was played here in New York. It was, they just started their tour. And uh, we had Jeff Thorpe, the guitar player, he's the only original member left in the band, on our five-year anniversary show two weeks before that. And I had asked him about uh, James Rivera doing the summer tour with them because Brian Allen is a singer for Vicious Rumors, and he has been for quite a few years now. And uh, he was saying that, you know, Brian just couldn't make that tour and James stepped in, you know, to fill, you know, to fill in for the tour because, you know, he's a single father with like three kids and he just couldn't take off for that amount of time. So, you know, James stepped in. Last week, the, the, the tour kicks off. There's some 20-year-old kids singing vocals for the band. And, and when I asked him on that show two weeks ago, he's like, no, Brian's in the band. He's on the new record. He's like, you know, he's, he's going to be out on this tour coming up. Next thing you know, he's out of the band. He didn't even know he was out of the band. He was getting ready to leave for the tour, and he read in, he read on the internet that he wasn't in the band anymore. Wow, that's pretty messed up, I have to say. I'll tell you, some guys who do things, you know. I don't, and I, and I was talking with I was talking with Jeff about like the constant lineup changes and you know all that stuff. And man, he yeah. threw no, he had to have known two weeks before that he wasn't going to be in the in the band anymore, part of the show. He didn't say it on on our program, but right. how could he have, how could he have like just within 14 days, you know, not notified him that he wasn't in the band, but found some 21-year-old kid, some, I forgot where he even comes from, somewhere in Europe, and had that guy rehearse an entire tour's worth of material. Right, exactly. Well, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Something was cooking, I guess he didn't want to, because... Cooking, he didn't want to let in on it. Because it's funny, when you listen to the interview, as soon as I started asking him about stuff like that, he kind of quieted up a little bit, and then, like, he just didn't talk anymore, and I ended the interview. Oh, Okay. So I don't know if I, I can't get it, but you know, I, Brian is a great singer. He did such a killer job on the last two uh, Vicious Rumors records. And I'm not saying anything about the new guy. He has nothing to do with it. He was just brought in, you know. And I don't know if he's a, a yeah. permanent member of the band if he's out on tour with them. But a lot of these bands want to know why they have problems, like you know, uh, you know, going anywhere, making any headway. And yeah, it's a different business today. Things are harder, but you know, you keep changing lineups like that all the time. And then when you screw somebody who's in the band with you, I mean, I. I I mean, he was talking about how like they're playing all these big places now, and you know they're gonna get more serious. And I mean, I'm looking at where they're playing, and the, the tiny little like you know they played at some Mexican restaurant the other night. I mean, you know, like <laughs> a taco place or something. Wow. You, you know, come on. I mean, you know, it is what it is today. It's a different business, a different scene. I just think that was pretty, uh, pretty underhanded, or pretty. You know, I, I don't know the whole story, the whole detail from all around, but I mean, at least sit down and tell the guy man to man. You know, listen, we're going in a different direction. You know, you're out. Someone else is in. Don't not even notify him. You know. Pretty crappy. And, and speaking of that, another situation, the same thing, the band White Wizard. Right. I was supposed to do an interview with him a while ago, and the new thing was like setting it all up for his own record label that he has, and things got all screwed up with the time and everything. I was like, you know what? I don't even want to be playing. I'm not even going to bother. But I found out the other day that they kicked him out of the band on the in the middle of the tour, and they brought in Gal, uh, Giles LeVay, who's a band called Dragon Claw, really good band. Uh, out of nowhere. Now, the singer is saying that the the only original member of the band from White Wizard, that he was stealing the money from, like, did that one of those uh, campaigns, uh, whatever you call them, like those Indiegogo things where you raise money? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that he was stealing the money from the, from, from that. This is what the, the singer, uh, Michael Joseph, says 
uh, Joseph Michael, excuse me, that uh, he was taking money and that he wasn't paying the band members and that there's a whole bunch of crazy shit going on. you got to read it online that they they sang the songs the first night, then they brought in Giles to sing for them, uh, you know, the rest of the tour. And when you look at White Wizard, they have not had a consistent lineup from one year to the next. Yeah, really. Always different people in the band, especially vocalists. I mean, there's constantly different people coming in and out of that band. So you got to wonder, like, what the hell is going on here? I mean, it's a crazy situation. And, you know, go on to BWBK. I'm sure there's a whole article about it. I don't have the time to, to talk about everything. But, you know, it's weird shit. They're saying that he came to them, that the band came to the singer. He was in the bar, that he refused to get on stage and play. He's saying that they fired him the night before, and he was sitting in the bar because he was in another country. I had nowhere to go, you know. Crazy business, you think, right? right? You, you you would think with the industry being as hard as it is and things being as bad as they are most of the time that, you know, if you can find guys to play together and get along and go out there and have a good time and make but a little money. Obviously, they're not getting along. Yeah, well, I don't know. Crazy shit, huh? Yeah. Sweet. All right. Well, go to BWBK. Check out our good friends at that website, and they'll have all the info in their news feed for you. But we got to do some new music, buddy. All right. All right, I have uh, New Running Wild, yeah. and I have the brand new Death Angel. I haven't had a chance to play any of it yet myself before the show, so I'm hearing it for the first time here. And maybe I'll just grab any, you know, whatever songs pop up first on the list yeah, and, uh, and play it. it. Yeah, because yeah, I don't even know what, what, what it's all about yet. I haven't, but you know what? With New Running Wild first, there's a song called Adventure Highway. They kind of gave up that pirate theme when they uh, reunited a few years ago and uh, put out the last record. The last record was actually kind of commercial sounding, but... I don't know if this is following the same vein or if they're going back to the, the pirate theme. I'm not really sure yet. I'm going to take a look at it as we play the tune, and uh, we'll talk about it when we're done. Or maybe we'll go right to some new Death Angel right after that. How does that sound? Sounds good. All right, here's Running Wild, Adventure Highway. <laughs>
right, that's brand new Death Angel right before that brand new Running Wild. You know, T, the Running Wild kind of sounds like the last record Shadow Maker. That's off the new record Resilient, uh, which just came out, as a matter of fact, I believe this week. So it's not bad. It's, you know, pretty straightforward, you know, hard rock, uh, you know, metal, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, wasn't bad, wasn't bad. No, but it sounds kind of like, you know, the last record, you know, a much cleaner sound than they used to have in the past. And the new Death Angel, I kind of like it. I would love to see Gus and Dennis Papa get back into the band, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. But uh, that record uh, is called The Dreams Call for Blood. I'm not sure exactly when the release date is. Uh, I think it's sometime this week. So uh, keep your eye out for that. It's going to be a good record. Death Angel has been really solid since getting back together in 2001. They kind of put out a record like every three years. I think it was maybe four years between one record. But in today's world, that's pretty damn good, I have to say. Yeah. Right? Yeah, true. All right. Well, you know what? we got to get the misleader for us. So I'm kind of excited. All right? Let's go. All right. Well, you know, she kind of is the hottest thing on two legs uh, since my wife, I have to say. But uh, definitely, without a doubt, a hottie. Miss Lita Ford. That's an introduction. <laughs> How are you, Lita? Hi, Mike. I'm doing good. Uh, it's great to talk to you. 30 in the morning. Where are you? Uh, I'm in New York, if you can't tell by the accent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. This is way too early for a rock star to be up, I have to say. I started at 9 a.m., oh, and I'm sorry. going through to 2.30, so I've got a marathon of interviews. All right. Well, you know what? I'll ask you all the same questions everybody else does. That way we'll make it nice and easy for you. Nah, you won't. <laughs> You're going to be cool. I'm sure I am. <laughs> hey, listen, I go back with you from to the runaway days. I remember buying one of those records when I was a preteen, and I followed you straight on through. So I'm glad that you're back. I'm glad that, you know, all that trouble you've had over the last couple of years is behind you now, and you're, like, so focused again on the music and everything going on, and, and live like a runaway with such a throwback to the old days, but yet it was still a brand new and modern record. But now you have another live record coming out. I think this is, like, your first live record to me, even though you had the greatest hits live. To me, this is, like, your first true live record in my mind. It is. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. I'm so glad to hear somebody say that. See, I knew you would be different. I try. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. I'm just taking a gulp of Gatorade. Um, it, it, it really is. It's a gift from the for the fans. It's something we didn't plan. It just it, it's just a little old club, and we said, hey, let's record this live for the, as a gift for the fans. We've got the fans included on the artwork. Um, we've got six. I think it's about sixty photographs in a collage. And uh, everyone's names are listed. It's really cool. Really cool. And that the album itself is exactly what a live album should be. And it's just pure, raw energy. And when you listen to it, you feel like you're there in the audience watching. You really feel sucked up by, the, by this record. So it's very cool. Is it is it perfect? Is it is it musically perfect and every vocal note is perfect? And guitar lick is perfect? No way. But that's great. I I, I love that. Live. Because when you go to see a live show, not every, you're there for the the raw energy of a live show. You're never going to hit every note exact. You're not going to sing every note exact. And and I love that. That's what I want to hear on a live tape. I don't want to hear it docked it up so much that it just sounds like the studio recording people clapping in between songs. I want those mistakes. That's the fun of a live show, and I'm glad that you kind of, you know, left a lot of that alone. Oh, I, I really do. As a matter of fact, 
I play off of it live, and um, if something happens, you know, like, uh, oh, shit, I just broke a guitar string, I'll say it right into the vocal mic so the audience knows what's going on. And they think it's funny. They, they're right along with you. Yeah. You broke a guitar string. Okay, that means we've got to wait a second. She's got to get another string or another guitar. Or, you know, and, and it's cool. And, and it, I take them along that journey on this record. So it's very cool. It very is. cool. Hello, Los Angeles. <laughs> that's, that's so true, Leah. And, you know, I was in a way I was surprised because you know, Living Like a Runaway was such a great record, and I really thought you would have followed that up with another studio album to kind of capitalize on that because you know it's we, we live in a world today where people have short attention spans, no matter how big a fan they are, and the business is yeah, so yeah. much more brutal today. But you know, as a fan, I love the live record. But for people that might have just caught on to you with the last record, did you think about that? You know, go studio or go live? No. No, no, no. No, because a lot of the, the the songs from Living Like a Runaway are on the live album, too. We did, uh, I think, four, which is really a lot. Yeah. The Bitch is Back, Living Like a Runaway, Relentless, Hate. Four tracks. Wow. So we, we got it in there, you know? Well, that's good. You know, you, you look back and everything, going from like your days with the Runaways to starting the solo band back in the eighties. Uh, was there any time like when you left the Runaways to the time you decided to go off on your own, where you might have had an offer from another band to join up, or anywhere during your solo career where a band made you an offer said, "Hey, you know, come play with us." Well, I've had a lot of offers from a lot of different people, and um, I take a lot of them. I take them up on it. I mean. Uh, you know, they're, they're sometimes offers you can't refuse. Um, like, for instance, Clarence Clemens yeah. offered me uh, a gig in the band in the on the Howie Mandel series. Do you remember the Howie Mandel yep, series? I sure do. And Clarence Clemens was in the band, and I was in the band. And that was the best few weeks. I think it was like eight weeks of filming was the best because it was different something different and i got to watch the howie mandel shows every day they were fucking hysterical <laughs> yeah they, that they were those were good times and i mean i'm glad that you're having them again right now which is a big thing because it's when you're happy we're all happy and that's that's a great thing to come out of it but and i, I know you also had you working on a book and it was supposed to come out this year but is it was it delayed or put off uh actually what happened is i had an author he, we tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and tried, <laughs> and uh, he turned out to be the wrong guy. Yeah. And um, it was nobody's fault. It was just not a match that was made to be. Yeah. And he knew it, and I knew it, and we we did it. We exhausted all options, literally. So now I'm working with Marissa Mateo. She's had two number one bestsellers with HarperCollins. And I can't say enough good things about this woman. She's just a ma she's a godsend. Oh, good. Uh, that's yeah. going to be a great read. But when you, when you, I mean, it's going to be all about you and your life, but... 
is it hard to like to remember everything? Or when you remember things now that might have happened in the seventies or eighties, you remember them from a different point of view where it's not exactly how it happened because you just can't remember some of these things anymore. No, it's not like that. Um, it's not that you don't remember things. It's that you just need to refresh your memory. And you need to go back to that time and that era and try to remember who was there, what did you say, what were you wearing. And it's really difficult to do because sometimes you need help from other people that were there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, Lita, you didn't wear that that night. <laughs> Because that night was your birthday, and you're like, oh, it was my birthday. Okay, that triggers all kinds of yeah. other ideas. <laughs> oh, shit, I got an interview. Oh, no, I missed it. Yeah. It's a wild and crazy ride, I have to tell you that. And, you know, you're talking about the solo band. I mean, coming from, like, the Runaways where you had, you know, Kim Fowley with a big hand in the picture and all the other girls. When you go solo, you say, this is what I want to do because, you know, the buck stops here with me. I'm, you know, the be-all, the end-all, and this is, you know, it's gonna be, I'm going to steer the ship my way. And that's a great thing because, you know, you, at least you think you have complete control, but do you really have complete control over your product even when you're, like, you know, the solo person and the star? Or is everybody kind of got their hands in there anyway? Uh, well, it depends on who you're working with. It depends on what kind of team you have. You know, um, I have a team, just like most people have people that work with them, um, like a football team. <laughs> you know, and if one person on your team is wrong or doesn't fit in or isn't right, it fucks up the entire the entire team. Yeah. You know, so... I pick and choose people that work for me on many different levels other than just what they're uh, capable of doing and as far as their job goes or what kind of person are they and their personality. And I look for both, and I pick them on both, and they're not always hard to, easy to find. They're very, very hard to find. So we have a good team. And uh, everybody works really well together. It's amazing. We're all so different, but we all work so well together musically. It, it's so wonderful. Yeah. I can't tell you. It's just, please, nobody change anything. Yeah. You know, it's just too good right now. That's that's important. And you know, Lita, when I when I when I was telling the listeners of my show that you were going to be on it, one of the questions that I was told they actually the most about was. Whatever happened to the album that you recorded or the music you recorded with Tony Iommi back in the 80s? Did any of that ever see the light of day on other albums that we don't know about? Or is that still in the can? Or will we ever hear or see that music? Oh, God, everybody's asking me that. Um, okay. Tony Iommi was in my life at the time. Let's just clarify this, that he did not musically have anything to do with that record other than he was my boyfriend, my fiancé or something like that at yeah. the time. And uh, that was it. But there's more to the story, and that story you're going to have to get out of the book. Ah, okay. All right, that's a little teaser. We'll buy the book. <laughs> we'll get the book. That's okay. I, I also heard that you dated Paul Stanley at one time. I don't ever recall that or, or remember hearing about that. No. Nah, Paul Stanley was a friend. Oh, okay. 
It's one of those Kids intimate the moments. the Runaways were friends. Fuck, I knew Paul since I was like three years old. <laughs> oh, okay. That's one of those stories then that goes Yeah, on. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, we never dated. Oh, God, he was cute. He was so cute. I, I wouldn't know, but I... <laughs> I can imagine. I'm sure. You know, it's really funny. The, um, I was doing the book the other day. Yeah. And uh, I was with Melissa, and we were sitting in a Starbucks. And uh, I was really, really into this conversation. I was telling her, Starbucks was empty. There was hardly anybody in it. And this guy walks in with black hair, black sunglasses, and black clothes. And I looked at him, and I thought, well, he's definitely some rock dude. Yeah. And I kept talking, and I was telling Marissa my story. And I could see this guy in the corner, dressed in black, smirking at me, had his hand over his mouth. And he was smirking with, at me. And I'm thinking, oh, fuck, he, he's either listening to what I'm saying, or he's a fan. Yeah. Or both. Anyway, time went by, and he kept fucking smirking. And later on, I found out that it was Paul Stanley. Ah, <laughs> he never. He didn't that. want to come over and say hello because he didn't want to interrupt. Yeah. That's you know, and I thought, oh dear God, I hope to God he didn't hear what I was saying. <laughs> I guess I turned talking. three shades of red. As long as you weren't talking about his penis size, I guess he didn't give a shit. Well, it was not his penis we were talking about. <laughs> uh, then, then I guess he doesn't really care anymore. <laughs> Yeah, who knows? But you know, Lita, I you know, you took a lot of time off in the nineties, you know, to take care of your family and do everything, but that was like a bad time for music too. It kinda of fell by the wayside. So in a way you kinda of didn't miss anything that was going on. You came back at just the right time when it started picking up again. But I mean when you came back, did you like was this like the first time that you really like paid attention to what was going on in the business end of the music scene itself and say, Hey, this is not like the industry, you know, when I left? Yeah, yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I didn't miss a fucking thing. Nothing changed. I came back like, okay, are you done with the bullshit now? <laughs> Can I play now? Yeah. You know, so I felt like um, I didn't want to hear anything. I didn't have to brush up on what happened in 2007, what happened in 2006. Musically, I didn't miss a fucking thing. So I wasn't interested in listening. I just picked up my guitar and started playing and writing. And it came from my heart and nobody else, nobody else's influence. You know what I mean? Yeah. The only thing that really did influence me was a VH1 classic I saw on Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd. Okay. And I watched it and I thought, these guys really focused on what they were doing. And it, it inspired me to block out everything around me and focus on nothing but the record. It's really hard to do. Yeah. And to keep it going till the end of the very, you know, last bit of artwork. It's a lot. I'm sure. It's got to be hard. It's got to be difficult. 
you know, Lita, over your career, you've worked with so many people, you know, from behind the scenes to other musicians. Two of the bigger names that you've probably dealt with, at least, I shouldn't say the bigger names, but two of the most dominating personalities we hear about today, Kim Fowley and Sharon Osbourne. What was the good thing about working with the both of them and probably the worst thing about working with the both of them? God. Well, they both knew. They both knew how to create a, a rock star, and they they both knew how to tear down a rock star. <laughs> that says it. It's uh, incredible. You know, it's, it's amazing how sometimes the people that that help you the most are also the ones that can hurt you the most. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Goes without saying. Yeah, it's incredible. But listen, hey, the new live record is coming out, and I think in a few weeks they pushed it back till November, so it's going to be out soon. Uh, what about anything new with the studio? I mean, maybe next year are we looking at that, or are you not even focused on it right now? You just want to get out and play again? Uh, no, right now I just I want to finish my book. It's priority. Well, that's good. I'm glad that we're going to get that. It's going to be a great read. Uh, anything coming up immediately that we should know about? Any shows that all lined up? Well, I um. I, I haven't confirmed this with the record company yet, and perhaps you could give them a little shit for me. I sure will. Tell them you want to hear the new single, Christmas single, with Lita Ford and Cherie Curry singing. It's a duet. We wrote it. It's a Christmas single. It's awesome. Oh, that's going to be great to hear you two again. And I know you've talked about it over the years. Other members have about the Runaways. I mean, is this the time to do it? I mean, I mean, you both have, you have you know your solo career going again. It's really picked up. You know, everybody else has got stuff going on. But you know, this this business is like a roller coaster. Hard rock and heavy metal is here today. It can be down again tomorrow. Is this the kind of is this like the time to capitalize on and try to put everything aside, get together, and just go out and blast the whole world with the Runaways again and and make good money doing it too? Well, that's in a perfect world. You know, we're not in a perfect world. Yeah. But yeah, that would be great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, would, know, that I, would be cool. And I know yeah. a lot of people love to see it, especially kids that you know weren't around at that time were able to catch you guys. So it would be a big thing for a lot of them. And you know, Lita, I, I interview so many bands, and a lot of them are female-fronted bands, and, and bands that are all females. And when I ask them, like, you know, how it is with the music industry, do they feel like you know they kind of get discriminated against compared to like the men in the business? They all say no. They have no problems with that. And I think it's most because people like you have come up before them and kind of like broken down a lot of those barriers. But do you feel that it's more on the fans' end that they look at female rock stars differently, or is it strictly behind the scenes on the business end of it? Oh, boy. Uh, I think uh, I think music takes away a lot of a lot of people's pain, and they 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 look to, towards music because they can relate to it in some shape or form it clicks with them and that's all they really think about i mean i don't think they think about the music side of things and i mean the business side of things are you are you am i answering your question right I, i'm not so sure i understood your question well, what i was trying to get is like a, a lot of the ladies i speak to today feel like you know they have an easy time in the music business. It's not really hard for them. And I always say, you know, there were people that came before you that went through a lot of discrimination, you know, uh, and were, were looked down upon for being females and like rock and metal. And uh, I would oh, say, yeah. do, do you feel like that came more from 
behind the scenes where, like, you know, oh, you're a girl, we don't care about you, or you don't get the same respect as a man, or do you feel like the fans, like, wouldn't accept you, like, being up on stage, you know, playing hard rock and heavy metal? Well, somebody somebody had to do it, you know, somebody had to uh, had to do it first, so to speak. Yeah. And and I was just actually I just got an email from Lon Friend. Do you know who Lon Friend is? Sure, Lon was the editor for Rip Magazine back in the day. Fucking a, dude. He asked me if I would do him a favor, and I said, Lon, you were the first man who put a female on the cover of Rip Magazine. You are my friend. You are my family for life. Yeah. I said I would do anything for you. And that cover went. To, and that cover went to Doro Pesh, didn't it? No, I'm just kidding. Around. <laughs> it was the two of us. I know there was a big controversy that the two of you had each other's throats back in the day. I remember that. Fuck no, she's an angel. <laughs> yeah, she's good people, Doro. <laughs> God damn, I loved her, and yeah. uh, what a photo session! What a photo session! Those were magic. Yeah, they were good times without a doubt, and. You know, like the two of you have been through hell and high water in this business. But, Lita, I'm not going to keep you much longer because I know you're doing this all day long, and I'll give you a little break. But I can't thank you enough for talking to me today. You know, the new record, The Bitch is Back, is coming out in a few weeks. Fourth and all, it's a killer album. And, you know, hopefully 2014, we're going to see this book, and it'll make a great read for everybody next year. Yeah. Oh. Yes, sir. I agree. So, Lita, thank you very much, honey. You have a great day over there. Thank you. Take me care. Too. Bye-bye. Bye.
right, Miss Lita Ford, going back to that first record out for Blood with Rock and Roll, Mamie, What I Am Today. T, you know, we only got a half hour left, boy. Time is just flying by tonight. No, you did a great job, man. I really enjoyed that, and it's great to hear. You know, I hear it so much in your interviews. I'm kissing your ass, because you deserve it, that they just say, no, that's a great question. Uh, I've never heard that. Nobody's ever asked me that before. Or, uh, you know, I knew it was going to be, like she even said, I knew it was going to be unique. Just from the beginning, you know, just from your beginning opening, eh? you know. I appreciate that. Then again, hey, you know, we do this thing, we have a good time. But, hey, anytime you get to have a broad talk about Paul Stanley's penis, you know, eh, what the hell? That was good, yeah. yeah. (laughs) She didn't get to admit that she actually had anything to do with him. Nah, I guess she doesn't want to. <laughs> what are you yeah, gonna do? So, you know, he he was a little uh, uh whatever. <laughs> yeah, she was losing a little steam there towards the end. <laughs> he did his own thing, but that that's was, right. That was interesting with the uh, Tony Iommi. I never knew that they did anything musically, but she doesn't admit it. She just says that they were just friends at the time, you know, or fiance. I didn't even know it was that. And yeah, they were that, engaged. Uh, that they were engaged back in the. I yeah, I want to say that. it was before she uh, married Chris Holmes. Uh, I think it was before then. My God, what was she fucking thinking? I know she, she picked out a couple. Home. She picked out a couple of winners. You got to give her credit for that. <laughs> yeah, the spectrum. Chris Holmes spectrum. and uh, and the guy she was just married to, <laughs> the guy from Nitro, Jim Gillette. Oh she yeah. She picked out some winners, but she's been coming here. She could have had me and you back in the day. But it's just yeah, right. <laughs> but it's just funny how you know, like that, how that whole marriage broke up. Hopefully, in a book, she she can go into that. Because I'm really, you know, I mean, they, when they were coming out, they're you not know, coming out. But when they came back onto the scene, it was like they were in so much in love, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you know, shit happens in life. Yeah, it's a shame what's um, happening with her kids and all too. So. I know, I know. Well, you know what? I, I think she worked all through that now, and. Uh, Hopefully things are better, but she's back musically, and that's all that matters. And we ran into her at the NAMM show a couple of years ago, and yeah, yeah. I mean, she looked pretty damn good back then. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, give it up for Lita Ford. But you know what? we got to get to Kenny. Kenny's got the weekly concert count update for us. Let's do one more tune before we get Kenny on the air. And then we have Joe Como from uh, Dust Machine and Liege Lord right after that. So how does that sound, T? Hey? Sounds good, man. All right, let me see what I can dig up here. i got to get a quick one on man, because time is really short. Next week, we can go back to just two guests. Next week, we have Anton Lant from Venom and Defcon 1. And uh, we also have Nige Rocket from Onslaught next week. And uh, one of those interviews I'm going to have to pre-record this week. So uh, we'll have a lot more time to bullshit next week and, and talk about everything going on in the world of metal. But how about we do some Hades to go to New Jersey, uh, a little sweet revenge.
right, the man behind the curtain with all the latest going on in the New York City area for the week of October 6th, Mr. Ken Pierce from PierceMetal.com. Whoa, Mikey, how the hell are you over there on this beautiful Sunday here at the Heavy Metal Mayhem Show? It is indeed an honor to be back with you uh, crazy, crazy people over here at the Heavy Metal Mayhem Show. Now, you know, before I begin, I got a couple of cool news announcements. I know you like me to say every once in a while when, when something happens. And the first one is a really super cool uh, event because two of bands that I really like – uh, members have just uh, welcomed a, a, a new son into the world. So it's uh, uh, Oliver Palotai of Camelot and his wife Simone Simmons of Epica have welcomed little uh, uh, what is Vincent. Is it Vincent? I got to I, I got to double check. See, I screwed up his name already because uh, he's so new. But uh, but yeah, he's uh, he is here and ready to. Yes, it's. Uh, it is uh, it is Vincent G. Palotai. So yes, I was I was wondering if it was David or if it was Vincent. So anyway, I digress. So welcome Vincent to the world of heavy metal and uh, and the world in general. Uh, we hope to see you on tour eventually yourself. So that would be pretty cool. Uh, the band Suicide Silence recently welcomed new singer uh, Eddie Hermida into the lineup. Uh, Eddie comes from All Shall Perish, and I guess he's left All Shall Perish to do Suicide Silence, and that's the band that Mitch Lucker used to front, and Mitch was killed uh, not too long ago in a motorcycle accident. So uh, we wish Eddie good luck in the new band. Also, uh, the guys in Hawkwind are uh, not doing their U.S. tour. There's an artist illness, and uh, so the tour has been canceled. And that is the news that I had for you today. But uh, tonight, man, you know, it's it's getting ready to go on. I'm I'm actually out there uh, in a in a quiet space right now. Uh, but Deicide is playing over at the Gramercy Theater with the likes of Broken Hope, Necromicon, Disgorge, and some local favorites in Day of Doom opening up. Uh, uh, of course, Day of Doom's already played uh, by the time we're we're here on the program together. But uh, uh, I. You know, it's, it's just a great, great night of uh, crushing death metal. Tomorrow at the Webster Hall, you got Goblin with the Secret she- secret Chiefs. Yeah, Secret Chiefs are, are going to be uh, playing their their music. Now, Goblin was a, is a band that I don't think has ever been here before, and they had the music for Suspiria. So that's, that's a really cool, like, prog event. Uh, Darkness will befall us on on Tuesday as Watain. Hits Irving Plaza. Now, Watain are the blackest of the black metal bands in Scandinavia right now, and they will be bringing us doom and death and all that other crazy dark stuff. And support will come from In Solitude and Tribulation. Wednesday begins a two-night residency for Obituary over at St. Vitus Bar. They will be there Wednesday and Thursday. You want to check that out, of course, if you can. The Great Wednesday 13 is over at Club Slake. With support from Cold Blue Rebels and Mortified Mortician. Now, Club Slake used to be called Club Rebel. So, if you know where Club Rebel is, that's where Club Slake is. So, just look that up on uh, some listings to find out uh, what's going on with that officially. Uh, that used to, that show was originally scheduled at the studio, but has been moved due to CMJ Music Marathon events. Uh, the great and powerful Ginger Baker will do a five-night residency. Five, I think it's five nights. 
No, five nights or four nights. I have him, okay, ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th. So four-night residency over at the Iridium Jazz Club. Two shows a night, an 8 p.m. and a 10 p.m. So that's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday for the great Ginger Baker, formerly known as the drummer of Queen, uh, Cream. Man, I cannot talk today. I'm going to have to request a, uh, a uh, brain change after this particular show. And, and be nice, you. I, I know you're just dying for that one. Uh, Thursday also begins the New York Comic Con over at Javits Center, and the Comic Con will be taking over the masses of geekdom so, uh, for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And all tickets to Comic Con have sold out. So if you are not yet going, you're going to have to beg, borrow, and steal to get a pass for the event outside somewhere. Uh, the great Ian Anderson, I've been saying the great a lot this uh, particular segment, I'm sorry, but they all are so great. The great Ian Anderson will play uh, two nights at the Beacon Theater, and he's going to be doing Jethro Tull's Thick as a Brick, part one and part two. So if you like what he did with Tull, you're going to want to see the main man with the plan at one or both of these shows over at the Beacon Theater. Five Finger Death Punch will be at the Best Buy Theater, and that is going to be a great show because it's got Escape the Fate, Miss May I, and the Gemini Syndrome also along for the ride. And that, my friends, is all I have. And I know I yammered and yammered on this one, and I don't know why. Maybe the coffee uh, that I had earlier today just never kicked in. That's always a possibility, you know. But anyway, guys, as always, you can follow Piercing Metal on the popular social networks of Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'd love to have you along for the ride, and I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks, Mike. Bye. All right, Kenny, you take care. We're gonna have to put a. We're gonna have to give Kenny a written warning and discipline him because he messed up that entire segment over there. Plus, he forgot that Impaler was playing at the St. Vitus Bar in Brooklyn on October 12th. And you know, anytime our friends come back to the area, Kenny should yeah. be mentioning that. But he, uh, I might have flown his radar this time. Kenny tends to focus mostly on Manhattan, and uh, we're gonna have to get him to expand his horizons because you know, come on, you come from Brooklyn on top of that. At least. Oh, not he the, did mention the St. Vitus Bar with another band. I forgot. I forgot. So he probably yeah. just, like you said, it flew under the radar. Yeah, so uh, we'll have to give Kenny a written warning for that. I'm going to put a, I'm going to write that up right now sticking in his work folder. Mind me, he's lucky to get suspended for this one. We'll give him a break because it's his first time, you know? That was funny. Alright, well, you know what? We have Mr. Joe Como. We spoke to Joe the other day. Joe yeah. does double duty, front and Liege Lord and Dust Machine. They have a brand new record out, the self-titled album, Dust Machine. We're going to talk to Joe about that right now. Get on a tune off that record. And we're going to close out today's show. I didn't even have time to play a metal matinee, uh, I'm sorry, our demolition segment demo. Maybe I'll get that on after the live show is over as a little bonus there. And I think we're going to cut that segment out pretty soon because it's just getting too hard to squeeze all this crap in with the interviews that we're doing, you know? Yeah, well, you just maybe met, you know, usually you post it on the, uh, the site, right? So just mention yeah, it's, it. it's posted on the blog spot. People can go so and download do a copy. Just mention it. Just don't pay anything from it. That's true. That's a good idea. Maybe I'll I mean, you can no, say that. that. I ran a little late today because it took me five minutes at the beginning of the show to get connected with Gary, and that kind of yeah, ate into know, a little bit of our time, okay. you know. Yeah. But uh, we got to cut these three guests out. I only did it because they were all available this week, and I wanted to get Joe on now. Even though it was recorded, I didn't want it to wait too long and sit because then it gets old, and then it's not good anymore. Yeah, I hear you. All right, so I probably won't talk to you to the rest of the show, buddy. We're going to play this, and it'll take us right to the end. But, you know, thanks for hanging out like always, being here with me, and uh, you go back to mourning your Giants right now. Oh, forget it. Can't wait for <laughs> hockey season to go into full swing. It's right around the corner. All right, buddy. 
You take care. Everybody enjoy, and like I said, keep listening and tell your friends, tell your colleagues, tell your tell your grandma. You know, this is like, I mean, even even if you don't know anything about music, this show is interesting. Sounds good to me, buddy. Thank you for the plug. All right. All right. I'll talk to you later. All, All right, right, here you go. I spoke with Joe the other day. We'll get that interview on right now. We'll close things out with a song by Dust Machine, and I will get that demolition segment on. Maybe I'll do it right after the interview, and we'll play a song by Dust Machine uh, for an after-show bonus. So here you go. Hey, Joe, it's Mike. How's it going? Mike, how are you, man? Good, man. What's happening? How you been? I'm pretty good. I'm just calling in, doing some promo for the Dust Machine. And, uh saw you on the list. I appreciate you, you having me come back on. Hey, anytime, man. You know I'm a fan, and it's good to have you on here. And you know what? This has been a pretty good year, you have to say. I mean, between Leisure Lord getting back together and going out and playing, and now Dust Machine with his first full length with you on it, uh, you know, it's got to feel pretty good musically this year. Yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, it's been about time. I was doing different things since Annihilator, and um, I just, uh, it all came together this year. So I've been real busy, and, and I just started writing with it the Leisler guys, and so it's going to be uh, going to be a continuation. Going to keep this rolling, you know. Yeah, I, I hope so. And you know, I, I'm playing the new Dust Machine over and over again. I'm like, I mean, this is such a solid record. It's kind of hard to compare it to the first one because you didn't sing on it, so you can't like see the progression. But musically, it's got a little bit of what was on that first record. But I mean, you own this album. I mean, you really put your touches on it, and it just sounds like it kind of sounds like a whole new band in a way. Yeah, that's why we. That's why we titled the album Dusk Machine, because it's it is it is like a new band. I mean, the band started in I think 2005, Nikolai, um, but it sounds so different. And, and I mean, again, like you said, with a different singer, I think that's the the main thing. And you know, I mean, I we talked about me singing possibly over the first record, but don't really. Well, we'll see down the road. You know, I just wanted to move ahead and and. Uh, we're real happy with the record. Totally, totally happy with it. Yeah, it, it came out great. It really did. And I was watching the, the video for Endless, and, you know, I was like, this is such a good video, too, on top of that. You know, you, you know, the videos today, you make a video, a lot of bands have their own YouTube channels. They put it up on YouTube, and, you know, you get a lot of hits on there. Does YouTube kind of have the same effect today that MTV did back in the day, even though MTV was very selective and had a small, you know, niche audience of metal, where YouTube, anybody can see, but does it sort of have the same cause and effect? I, I think so in a way. Um, you know, it's it's obviously given the opportunity to people that would never have had it because it's free. You can put anything you want up there. Um, but then again, it's so glutted that, um, you know, it's hard to find. There's stuff out there that don't they don't get that many hits, you know, and it's good stuff. It's just it's uh it's all about promotion now with with the internet and getting out there and, and sitting there and you know, making links and connecting to everybody and really trying to push the thing. But um, we've got a lot of hits on it. Um, we're real happy with it. We, did a, we wanted to do a real video, not just something thrown together. And we, we had some actors and, you know, the set was hired and the whole thing. We, we said we're going to do a video here. Let's, let's do, uh, you know, for the first video, let's do it right, you know. So um, we're happy with that as well. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a pro video, but you know, like you're saying, there's so much to go through on the internet to find things. 
And like you know, you, like you did such a good job on this video, going professional with it. I mean, you remember back in the '80s when everybody did it yourself, and even though it was like a do-it-yourself attitude back then, bands had no money; they were just starting out. But you know, you still put out the best. Pro- I mean, you look at today, you say, "Well, I was kind of cheesy." What the hell was I thinking? But back then, it was a big thing, and you put, you know, yeah, if you had two dollars, you put two dollars worth into that at, at the best you could. Where today, you see a lot of bands throwing up crap on there that just. And it's like they filmed it on a cell phone. And it's like a professional video to them. And does that kind of dilute, like, you know, the whole scene also, like, kind of like the cheapness of it? Well, I don't know. I mean, some of those things are, are amazing. That It causes, I think it forces people to try to be as creative as possible because, like you said, a lot of these kids, you know, they're, they're living at home and they're just putting out music for the first time and they don't have anything but their cell phone. And some of them come up with an amazing look. You know, and other guys, it's just all about talent, I guess. But, uh, it's, you know, MTV thing, it's so, I mean, they play a, such a limited thing now, you know. It's not It's not like it was when it came out. So the, the avenue for real videos on TV and stuff like that isn't, I guess the internet is really where it's gone. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I look at today, I look at the music scene today, and like, you know, it's predominantly internet-based or college radio-based. And college radio always had a, a hand in it, you know, going back to the early days when they first, you know, started playing metal. But, you know, as far as anything bigger than that goes, it, there's very very little out there anymore, it seems. Yeah, you know, things come in cycles. And uh, yeah. hopefully, you know, I guess back then it was, what was it that was dying out that gave way to metal? It was punk, right? So. Yep. And then the grunge killed, you know, the hair bands killed it a little, and then the grunge killed it, and, Came back a little, so we just gotta get rid of all this rap stuff and hip hop, and then we'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back there. Well, it is a lot better today these days. I mean, and I love that I'm seeing so many younger kids, you know, listening to our music because you know we probably didn't listen to our parents' music back in the day, but they listen to this and they really dig it, and and you know they're keeping this thing alive now, and I think that's a great thing. Do you see a lot of younger people reaching out to you or you know coming out to the shows? Yeah, I, I'm. It's funny you said that. I'm I'm really blown away because you'd think that the people that grew up listening to this stuff in the 80s and stuff like that, who are in their 40s and approaching 50 or up now, um, I figured that's all you'd see or all you'd hear from. But we're getting likes on our page and the Liege Lord and the Dust Machine, and they're like 15 year old kids. You know what I mean? So I guess they got it from their older brothers or they're starting to look at. Um, well, Dust Machine is a newer band, but Liege Lord, you know, they're starting to look at Liege Lord like uh, an older, established, uh, legendary type, early pioneer band. Yeah. And I guess, I don't know if they think it's cool or whatever, but I'm, I'm glad they're checking it out and listening to it, you know. Yeah, that is all that matters as long as they're listening. That's the most important thing. With, with Dust Machine, what do you guys have planned? The album's been out a little while now. I mean, the feedback has been pretty good on it from what I see. So where do you take it now? I mean, are you going to try to get something going live-wise? I know it's not so easy with everybody living in different parts of the world, but what's the plan for Ducks Machine for this year? Uh, well, we're just, we just approached a couple of booking agents, and um, I had one that was interested in both bands, which would have been good logistically because I'm in both bands and there would have been less conflict. But um, it's not working out. We heard some things about this guy, you know how this business is. So. Yeah. Um, we're looking, we just started looking again for another one, so it's kind of a little bit of a setback, but um, we're going to try to do a tour in Europe, um, even if it's only for a few weeks, uh, in January and February, 
And then uh, Randy gets busy with Primal Fear and blah, blah, blah. So we're going to try to do a little thing in January, February, and then um, hit some of the festivals next summer. But well, that's a good thing. Nikolai and, and I are, even though it sounds like it's the dust machine just came up, Nikolai and I are going to start writing new ideas uh, so that, you know, there isn't, there isn't a two, three-year lapse in between this and the next record. We don't want that. We want to put something out within a year and a half at the, at the longest. Well, that, well, you know, in today's business, two or three years really isn't that bad for a lot of bands because it, it is tough to, you know, to put new music out, and you've got a lot going on. So a year and a half would be fantastic if that could happen and keep the momentum going. That's a great thing. But, but Joe, do you think, like, the, the whole business end of it is the worst part of, of this business, you know, trying to find good, reliable people to work with or an honest man out there? It is, because I see a lot of the, the agencies, they want they don't want to break a new band. They want legacy bands, even though uh, everyone in, in my band and the Dust Machine has a name within themselves. It's still a new, considered a new band. And, um, you know, they just they want the legacy bands, uh, the Queens Rikes, the Megadeths, you know, bands that have already done something and established with their name that they can just throw it out there, they know they're going to make quick money. And uh, that's a shame because, you know, years ago, managers and booking agents were looking to take on the newest, coolest thing or, you know, an unknown band because they, they believed in it or they saw something that no one else did. You know, they it's like when Gene Simmons found Van Halen at a club or whatever the story was, and he's like, these guys are, these guys are killer, man. I'm going to, I'm going to help finance their EP and get him signed and all this stuff and that's how it used to work. It's not. It's not as uh, with the economy and everything being so tight all the time with companies. It's. It's not. Uh, you don't see that as much, which is it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's like in baseball. There's no scouts anymore. There's no scouting teams. They're not looking. You know, to bring up what's coming up next to get them ready. You know, for the big time. It's just like you said. They, if you're established, will take because really there's no work on our part. It's all kind of done for us. But you know, when those bands are all gone one day from now. Who's going to be there to come up and fill in those spots? I mean, we're not, you know, we're not nurturing like, you know, the new bands coming up, and that's you're right. That is a damn shame because that's the future, you know. Right. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd like to see a, you know, a label or, or an agency or something, or booking agent or management companies that at least a few of them were, they were willing to take chances and they because they believed in something because they knew they had something, you know, just great there uh, to develop. Um, and it's with a lot of the, the the record labels as well. They'll sign like you know, fifty bands or hundred bands with a very very low budget and just throw them all out there and just kind of see what sticks to the wall. You know, if anything sticks and starts selling just because it somehow caught on on the internet or whatever, then they're doing great. You know, they're making quick money. But uh, they don't want to dump a lot of money into bands that are newer. You know, it's, it's a tough thing. I know. And it's funny because you say, you know, you have the name behind you. Everybody in Dust Machine does. But yet you have, you know, Leash Law, like you said, with that past experience and being around for a long time and the new band. So you're kind of like in the middle of both. Like you're on both ends of the, you know, of the spectrum. You have it with the legacy band like Leash Law and with the new band like Dust Machine. Like, you know, Leash Law just hooked up again and started playing out this year. How did those shows go? Because uh, I didn't hear anything about them, but uh, how'd you make out with the shows you did this year? Well, Facebook page that posted, there's a bunch of videos and stuff, and you can find them online of the Keep It True Festival. 
Well, that was that was amazing. <laughs> it was, you know, everybody. I mean, I was shocked. I knew I knew that most people there would know the band or know the tunes, but to hear everybody singing all the choruses and singing along every song, like every song, it was insane. Yeah. It was. It was really, you know, really touched us, and it was just really cool. And um, yeah, I am on both ends of the spectrums of those two bands, but I feel, you know, both bands are are buddies of mine, friends of mine, like family and. So it's good to have both because, you know, you do one cycle with one and you start working on the next. I, I always want to keep busy. I don't want to. I don't want to just be sitting idle. Yeah, that probably is the worst part of being in the business is the idle time because you know when you're on the road and when you're recording and you're moving around, you keep them busy. You feel you feel good because you're active. I guess the downtime in between, waiting for stuff to happen, probably is the worst time of being in a band. Well, yeah, that's when you do your writing and stuff, which is also fulfilling, you know. And, but uh, writing and being in the studio and you know trying to do the best you can and create that magic. That's uh. That can be a little stressful too. It's always cool when it's done, it's in the can, and then you you know shows are coming and you just go and play. You know, that's really the the fun part for me at least. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, what's going on with Lisa? Are you working on new material? Yeah, we just uh, I'm going down in a couple of weeks to meet with the guys and we're we're doing some writing. We're we're writing individually and then we're gonna get together. Uh, we've also got a couple of shows coming up um, in, in your area. We've got November third. At Ding Dots with yeah. Hacker and a few other bands, and then um, there's going to be another show. I think it hasn't been announced yet. Middle of December in Brooklyn, but I'll wait till it's announced. And um, we might do some other in the area. But I'll, I'll be I'll be in the Connecticut area with those guys writing, um, unless we get something coming for Dust Machine for me to go play. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we want to get Weasler wants to get new material together and start working on a release for for us as well. That'll be great. I'm gonna be at that show thing, best Joe. So I'm gonna meet up with you that night when you when you get to New Jersey. Right, well, getting back with with the Weasel Audio, you start writing again and put song. You know, a lot of people tend to forget. You know, they think you're a singer. You're not involved in the songwriting process except for lyrics. But you know, they forget that you're an amazing guitar player too. You play guitar in so many bands. So you know, you you're actually a songwriter. You're involved in the process from start to finish. The new material with Weasel Lord, Are you? Touching on a little bit of like the older stuff, like the Master Control ever, or are you going in a completely new direction with the music? Well, I, first of all, I appreciate your comments on my, um, my guitar playing, but yeah, um, we're we want to stay true to what Leisure was and is, but we also have new ideas coming. I mean, it's been, you know, I hate to say this, but and date myself, but it's been 25 years since Master Control, and yeah, we don't want to. You know, we've all matured and moved on and things like that. So we don't want to be stuck in the past, but yet we we definitely are going to stay true to our roots. I've got I've got riffs coming out of my head every day, and sometimes they sound like, um, yeah, this 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 is definitely Liege Lordish. No, this one isn't. So I put them other ones aside. I put those other ones aside. I don't want to. We want to stay true to what we were, you know, and maybe update the sound because it is 2013, you know. But it's going to be metal. It's going to be power metal. Um, it's not going to be screaming all over the place. It's going to be melodic and heavy. And, you know, we're going to do what we can do. I think it's going to be great. We've already got like a ton of ideas between us, and um, we're all excited about it. It's sounding really good. 
Uh, I, I can't wait to hear it myself. I mean, uh, it's, like I said, it's been 25 years since Master Control. So, and you know, it, it's got to be great that like with Felice Lord and like with Dust Machine, the two complete opposite ends of the spectrum musically. So, it must be great because it keeps you, you know, keeps you interested. Where you're not just doing the same thing over and over again, and that's got to be a thrill. And on top of that, do you miss playing guitar more in a band? Would, would you like to get into another group just as a guitar player, or do you like, you know, kind of like the singing gig? Well, I, I would, you know, depending on the, I mean. I remember when Anthrax was looking for a guitar player, I was like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Should I? <laughs> but but uh, I really do like singing, so I, it, it would depend on the band. And, and now that I've been picking up the guitar and writing again for the Leechler thing, it just feels really good in my hands and just to make those sounds. But I don't know. We'll have to see. But uh, I think I got my hands full right now. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you definitely do. Uh, it's been a busy year for you, Joe, and I'm not going to keep you much longer. I know you're doing this all day long, and I want to get on some music from the new Dust Machine and some Liege Lord. So, Joe, thank you very much for coming back on to talk with me today, and I'm going to catch you in November. That's going to be a great show, man. Uh, Attack and Freedom's Reign, it's going to be great. Yeah, make sure you say hi, and, and uh, I appreciate everybody out there listening, and definitely check out the Dust Machine, and you know, write into our website, let us know what you think. Uh, we, we really appreciate the support, and um, hopefully we'll see you guys out there. You got it, Josh. See you in November. Take care, buddy. All right, buddy. Take care. All right. Before I play something off the brand new Dust Machine record, how about we just squeeze in that demolition segment demo? This week, the artist is World War Three out of Pennsylvania. The demo is up on the blog spot right now. Head over there and download yourself a copy of it. So we'll do the song Red Alert. And then the show will be over. And then for an after-show bonus, you can hear something off the brand-new Dust Machine record. I'm going to get on the song Drippin'. So if you can, check out the podcast to hear the tune. If not, pick up the record. And I want to thank all my guests today, Jaguar, Lita Ford, Dust Machine. Don't forget to tune in this Thursday to the Metal Matinee at 12 p.m. I will see everybody then. Have a great work week, all. <laughs> 